Good morning. It is working, isn't it? Good. I'm rejoicing this morning and it's such a wonderful day. I don't just mean the weather. <laughs> but uh, I guess one of the reasons that I'm so excited is that I had the privilege last night of attending the Mugra Passion Play up the other side of Buna. Have any of you ever been to the Mugra Passion Play? Not one. Oh yeah, a couple of you have, a long while ago. Well, you might have been to other Passion Plays, but uh, without a doubt it's a great experience. And I think that probably one of the most exciting moments was when Jesus came out of the grave and the, the lights all focused on him and lots of people in the crowd just shouted hooray or amen or praise the Lord or something like that. Great experience and I'd, I'd, I'd encourage you to think about going next year. Uh, I was able to take a neighbour last night and my granddaughter and her boyfriend were there. So uh, it, it's a, a wonderful experience. And, and there are four... I, d I didn't intend to give an advertisement, but there are four uh, presentations of that uh, play over the uh, Easter week, the, to the weekend before and then to uh, on the Easter weekend. And uh, it's been going for 30 years. Thank you, Pelly, for the introduction you gave us this morning. And thank you, Audrey, for the way you've led us. I'd like to read to you from Mark chapter 16. Did I tell you some time ago about the pastor who told his people at the end of one service that, uh, that he would like them all to read the 17th chapter of Mark during the week? Uh, and, <laughs> and the next Sunday morning he said, uh, now how many of you read the 17th chapter of Mark during the week? And almost all their hands went up. And he said, I'll go, I'll, I'll go on and preach my sermon on lying. There are only 16 chapters in Mark. You didn't get it, did you? <laughs> all right, Mark chapter 16, reading from the first verse. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw the, a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and lives today. Some things happen and are soon forgotten because they haven't really made an impact on anyone 
I haven't changed history or anything of that kind. There are millions of things that happen every day and that are then forgotten. But on the other hand, there are happenings that have dramatically changed world history and we are this weekend celebrating the one that is at the very top of the list of unforgotten and unforgettable happenings. We have read the record of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is right at the top of the list of those unforgettable happenings. And I want to place before you this morning three reasons why this happening is unforgettable. And the first is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the, the cause and the inspiration of the Christian church. The state of mind of those women as they came to the empty tomb that morning was that they had come to pay their last respects to Jesus and to embalm a dead body. That was what they came to do. The attitude of his many friends was that this whole experience of Jesus was, had now ended in a tragedy. And the attitude of the disciples was that the one that they had placed so much faith in was now dead and buried and gone. And the attitude of the religious leaders who had plotted and schemed to have him crucified was, well, now this troublesome, persistent, unorthodox character is out of the way forever. One of the lines that stayed in my mind from last night's uh, Passion Play was when Jesus was buried and the high priests were walking away from the place in front of the tomb. One of them said, we'll never hear his name again. Nothing but the fact of the, the resurrection could have changed the sad and the despairing men and women, changed them into people who were now bristling with courage and radiant with joy. Nothing but the fact of the resurrection could have caused the religious leaders to become concerned again about the Jesus that they had crucified. The Jesus that they had crucified was now alive and was at large and they had a problem on their hands again, didn't they? But for the resurrection, the worry, but for the resurrection, the, the worries of those religious leaders would have been over. But things had changed so much. He was now Jesus, the risen Christ, was now planning and preparing for the institution of what we might call the Christian church. In the upper room, he appeared to his disciples and having convinced them that he was uh, really alive, the reality of his resurrection, he told them to wait in Jerusalem for the promised power that would be given from on high. The risen Christ had now honored a promise that he would rise again and he had made another promise that resulted in the formation of the Christian church, the very nucleus of the Christian church uh, on the day of Pentecost just a few weeks later. The risen Christ 
promised his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was given on that great occasion that marked the formation of the Christian church. And all of this was the direct result of the resurrection. The disciples of Jesus Christ would have been just a, a dejected, disillusioned group of uh, uh, people who could not be comforted except for the resurrection. They would have been the laughing stock of the ordinary people in all the days to come. But now they were a, a virile group ready to live and to die for Christ because they saw that he had defeated death for them. A man once looked for the first time at the tremendous and, and awe-inspiring uh, spectacle of the Grand Canyon in Arizona, and I guess that, that uh, there could be quite a few of you who have seen that, and it is spectacular, there's no doubt about it. But after he had, he had spent quite a few moments uh, silently wondering at it, he came out with the, the, uh, the masterpiece of uh, uh, understatement. He said, something must have happened here. It certainly wasn't a, an American Indian dragging a, a stick across the, the desert that had happened because the, the Colorado River had flowed through that course for thousands of years. Something had happened there. And so we may look at the unbroken history of the Christian church, at the hostile environment that it has had to contest, at the, furious, the futile attempts that have been made upon its life. And, uh, and we have to say, something really happened here. The thing that happened that started the Christian church was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no better proof of the resurrection than the birth and the continued existence of the Christian church. And there is no better explanation of the existence of that church than those words that were spoken on that morning that we celebrate today. He is risen. The resurrection is the cause and the inspiration of the Christian church. Secondly, the resurrection is the foundation of the believer's hope. People had thought and had talked for, long, for, for centuries about the possibility of life beyond the grave. But what proof did they have? It must have been encouraging for the disciples to hear Jesus say to them, I go and prepare a place for you and I will come again and take you to myself. But on what grounds could they be sure that he was able to keep that promise? What proof did they have that he could keep that promise? Let me answer that with an illustration. In centuries gone by, many people believed that beyond the land where they lived, there may be other islands and maybe even other continents. But it was only a theory. Maybe beyond those hori the, the horizon, there are other lands. Not too many people will risk their lives on the basis of a theory. It remained a theory until men like Christopher Columbus went 
and experienced those lands and then came back and said, we have been there. We have experienced these lands. And when that happened, their theories turned into fact. And even so, the disciples who had thought vaguely about a life to come, about the hereafter, about the possibility that death might not be the end of everything, that it mightn't be a brick wall. They all had those thoughts turned from theory into fact when Jesus Christ rose from the, day, the grave. His resurrection was the wellspring of their hope. They now could have a sure hope he said, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And now they were able to believe that he could do that. He had said, because I live, you will live also. Now they could say, yes, we believe you. Now that we see that you have defeated death, we can have hope in you for our future. He had said, don't let your hearts be troubled, don't be afraid. But they had been troubled. They had been afraid. And now they could say, we won't be afraid. We won't be troubled by the thought of death. You defeated death, and your defeat of death involves ours. We can hope and not be afraid. He had risen, and their thoughts about life beyond the grave were raised from the level of speculation and wishful thinking to the level of a firm, secure hope based in a fact, the fact that they had seen and had communicated with the risen Lord. And so when those people of Christ's, uh, who were Christ's disciples, uh, faced persecution afterwards, and went through the centuries, including this century, there are, have been and are millions of people who are persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ, or when in quietness an aged saint closes his or her eyes for the last time. There can be the sure and the firm and comforting pillow on which they can spend their last moments because they know that Jesus lives, that the one in whom they placed their hope is a secure, um, what's the word I want? Well, that, they, that their hope in him is absolutely secure. My wife died about six and a half years ago. And I remember that on the way home from the hospital, the, the palliative care at Logan, after spending quite some time with my three children around her bed and saying goodbye to her, that I was not sobbing. I was choosing to sing songs like, Oh, that will be glory for me. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And we shall see his smiling face some bright cloudless morning. This is the hope, the sure hope that we can have because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Only because of the resurrection and because of his communication with the with the disciples, could they be sure of their future? And only because of this could the Apostle Paul 
when he had an experience on the Damascus Road of the risen Christ. Only could he write to the Corinthians that wonderful resurrection chapter uh, from which Pelle uh, quoted earlier. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most to be pitied. And then he goes on to speak of the, 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 uh, the resurrection and its certainty and on what grounds does he speak of the unchangeable certainty of our resurrection on the grounds of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen to the words that, he, that are so often quoted at funerals but that ought to be quoted and have already been quoted on resurrection morning. Death is swallowed in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no hope for the future without Christ, the risen Christ. And there is no certainty for the future without his resurrection. And so we who believe in Jesus Christ may expect with absolute certainty life eternal with our Lord. Because he who promised it, he is risen. And so the second thing that I've presented to you as a reason why the, the, uh, that event so long ago is unforgettable is that it is the foundation and the source of the believer's hope. And the third is this, and you'll need to think a little differently on, on this one. The gospel is firmly and inseparably based on the resurrection of our Lord and that is the pattern of the experience of the believer. Let me explain what I mean. Christianity is the gospel of a fresh start. And everyone needs a fresh start because we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And to say it's the gospel of a fresh start is another way of saying that when we receive Jesus Christ, the old has passed away and the new has come. And it's a new life that we start to live from that moment forward. And we have an example of that in the reading that we took this morning. Do you realise that? We... The angel said to the, the, the women, go and tell the disciples, <coughs> pardon me, go and tell the disciples and Peter. And Peter, what's Peter got to do with this? Isn't he out of the picture now? Didn't he deny his Lord just a few days ago? Surely the resurrection of Jesus is no business of Peter. But they said, go and tell the disciples and Peter. But yes, praise God, this is the business of Peter because he can have a fresh start because of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is risen from the grave and Peter may rise from the grave of cowardice and denial and doubt and start a new life. He fell, yes, he fell hard, but he can rise from there because Christ rose. Tell, tell all the Peters, all those who've denied Christ, all those who are aware of sin in their life. Christ rose, a fresh start 
and you can have a fresh start too. So our whole experience of a, is of a nature that shows it to be the result of the resurrection gospel. The resurrection determines the nature of the Christian's experience. Are you walking in newness of life? Have you made a fresh start? Surely that's one of the challenges that ought to come to us on this resurrection morning. He is risen. And that sets Christianity apart from all other world religions. We alone have a risen Lord. And let us stand upon that glorious fact firmly and refuse to be moved from the fact that we serve a risen Saviour. And so we're saying this morning that the resurrection is the cause and the inspiration of the real Christian church. And the resurrection is the foundation of the believer's hope. And the resurrection is the pattern of the Christian life because Christianity is the life of a fresh start. This is the gospel not only that we have to preach, it is also the gospel that we have to live. And our pastor has reminded us recently of the need for integrity, which is the opposite of, what is it the, the opposite of? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is play acting. Integrity is being and living what we profess. And this is the challenge that I want to leave with you this morning. We serve a risen Saviour. Because he lives, we can live starting off with a fresh start. Committing our lives to Christ, confessing our sin, saying, Lord, I now want you to be Lord of my life. Guide me in living for you. Friends, in, in Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says that one day every knee shall bow and acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. Are you among those who choose to make him Lord now rather than being forced to make him Lord at some time in the future or to acknowledge him as Lord? Every knee shall bow to him. Is yours bowing to him now? Let's spend a moment quietly, perhaps, I trust, saying, Lord, I praise you for the joy of your resurrection. I praise you that you have given me the opportunity of a fresh start. I acknowledge my sin. I repent of it and turn from it. And I here now make you Lord of my life. You are my risen Lord. Lord, you know our hearts. You know those of us who need to take that stand 
May your Holy Spirit guide us and strengthen us to do it and to go and live it out in the community where you have placed us and whoever we are in contact with, living out the reality of the risen Christ as Lord of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.